Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus. Do life together, get in the game and leave a legacy. If this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith, subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it too. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. We're going to be talking about the hidden hope of Christmas today. Now, we are in the middle of Christmas season. And I don't know about y'all, but in the household that I grew up in, Christmas was a day. Just one day. You got excited for that one day. The present was under the tree. That day came. You were excited. You got your presents. After that, it was over. Christmas was over. It was time to go back to school. I was deprived as a child. So sad. But it wasn't until I met my wife that I was educated. I was shown the light. Christmas is not a day. It is a season. It is a couple of months. And in my household, it starts on November 1st when they start playing playing the 24-7 Christmas music in the car. Yeah. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, look, Christmas season is a season that's full of love. Family gatherings, giving, uh, it's a joyous, it's always a, a great time of the year. People are smiling and, and you know, typically kind of unusually kind, you know, and they're thankful for the things that have happened, but also looking forward to a better year. So the question is, is what are you hope for, hopeful for in 2021? I mean, we've had a really tough year this year with, with the images that we saw, the political crazy season that we've had, the, the social and racial injustice. We've had, hard, we've had hard conversations with our friends and our family members. It's been really, really tough. And if somebody sneezes right now on your row, you probably are going to want to move. Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what are you hopeful for in 2021? Maybe a couple extra dollars, better relationships. How about kids going back to school? Amen, amen. Hey, praise God on that one. How about a regular Thanksgiving? Or, or, or what about church without mask? And see, all of those things are okay. And truth be told, I'm hopeful for those things too. But there is a hope that's greater. There's a hope that's greater that has more impact on us than just those things. There's a hope that's life-sustaining, that's certain, that's true. There's a hope that's not full of empty promises or wishes. It's a hope that won't leave us unsatisfied, depressed, or disappointed. There's a hope that's available to us through Christ Jesus that gives life, peace, and rest no matter what's going on. It could be COVID-89-26. It doesn't matter what's going on. God still gives us a hope that sustains through it. And this hidden hope is freely available to so many of us, but unfortunately, sometimes we miss it because it doesn't come in the form that we expect. But today, the question is, will you recognize it? And if so, will you take hold? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for blessing us to be able to see it, Lord God. We just pray, Lord God, that that your word will come forth in power, truth, and in conviction, Lord God. Draw us closer to you. Do what only you can do. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love. Most of all, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God. 
It is in the matchless name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. The hidden hope of Christmas. Now, what I've learned is that we really have to hope for the right things. In addition to that, we have to hope in the right person. Let me say that again. We need to hope in the right things. Excuse me, hope for the right things, and we need to hope in the right person. The word hope comes from the Greek word elpis, which means a confident expectation, even of a certain outcome. Now, you may ask, why in the world would I call hope hidden? I mean, it's not as if hope is, you know, something that we actually have to search for or or like you have to find it in a Where's Waldo puzzle. But the truth of the matter is, is that oftentimes we don't recognize hope as hope. We actually treat it as if it's something different. We treat hope as if it's like wishes to a genie. Or we treat hope as if it's like putting together our Christmas list to Santa. We, we think that if we get these extra things, right, if we, we hope in these earthly things, thinking that, you know what, if the new year gets here and I get those things, that it somehow will make my life better. But the problem is, is that that kind of hope is flimsy. That kind of hope is uncertain. That kind of hope typically fades out. One, because you don't know if you're going to get it. But two is the fact is that it really doesn't do the thing that we really wanted to do. Think about it. Some of us that have wanted a job that we, that we will make more money, we were like, if I only could get this job, I'll feel better. Then we get that job and we sit in it for a second and you're like, you know what, I ain't satisfied with this anymore. And you know, I really, really, really wish I could get that job. We get that job and we sit in it for a second. And you know what, I'm not good. The truth is, we feel the same way we did when we made less. That's because external things can't take care of a spiritual need. We got to hope for the right things and hope in the right person. Biblical hope, though, biblical hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised. And its strength is in his character and faithfulness. Now, I want you to know that this is true hope. This is the hope that we need to consider. This is the hope that we need to have. Now, true hope, as, as ascribed to the Bible, is based off of what is promised. What is promised? When we get into the Word of God, we can see what God has promised us. It, it's also based on God's ability. It's also made, uh, based on the ability of the one that is making the promise. It's one thing to see what is promised. It's also another thing to see the ability of the person who made the promise. I can promise y'all I can dunk a basketball, but clearly I can't do that. I could promise you all day, but that's going to go a promise unfulfilled. But God is, we know God is omnipotent, that God can do everything. Then if we get in God's word, we can see what he promised. We know that God can do everything. Now check this out. Now if we get in there, now also we can check God's character. See, true hope is based off a sustained relationship. The reason why our kids come and ask us for everything in the world is because we tried to give them everything in the world. So when they come to you, they expect you to do it. Why? Because you did it the last time and the last time and the last time. But if you knew what God's promises were now, somebody say amen. And if you knew the ability that God had, could you not go back to him because he did it the last time and the last time and the last time? That's God's character. And God's character is true. And God's character is pure and honest. If we check the promises, the ability of the one that's making the promise and the character, we will find true 
hope. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Somebody say living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. You are guarded. Somebody say guarded. By God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, it is important here to recognize that the Word of God says that we inherit a living hope. Anything that is living can change and can grow. This living hope is a confident expectation that God is able to do that thing that he promised. And not just able, but that he actually will do the thing that he said that he'll do. Amen? That living hope is given to all those that are believers in Christ Jesus. To those that believe in Jesus, the Bible says he gave the power to become the children of God. Now, if we are children of God, then that makes God our father. So the same way that parents leave their children an inheritance, that means that God leaves us an inheritance too. As a parent, why would God be any different? Now, the thing is that we have an, a promised inheritance that's bigger than we even know, that we can take part of even now. Now, in the scriptures, it spoke about eternal salvation, that one day we would see Jesus face to face. We would see our Savior. One day we will be with him forever. Amen? But there, are, there, but there is an inheritance that we can take even hold of now. And because I know his character, and because I understand that God makes good on his promises, I can be rest assured that God loves me and I am a part of his family. Amen? What God has laid in store for us, it belongs to us. So, to be clear, God is not a deadbeat dad. God is not a deadbeat dad. He is not the dad that is not around. He don't have no kids that he don't take care of. God don't say I'm going to show up at the game and ain't there. You understand? He don't, he don't make promises he don't keep. But he's honest. God loves us and he is faithful. I'm not just saying this, but I've witnessed this in my own life. Anybody here ever seen God love them when they messed up really bad and you thought nobody loved you in the world? Anybody else seen God give you a hug and comfort you when, when nobody would love you, when no one would touch you, when nobody wanted to talk to you, but God says, here I am, I still love you, and you still belong to me? I can tell you one thing, that God is faithful. So because we know this and we experience this and we understand relationship with him in this way, we can be confident in who God is. My faith and my hope will not be in the external things of getting a couple of extra dollars or if just me and my wife are doing well. But it is in the one who has saved me. It is in the one who has sent his son to die for me. My hope is in the one that makes promises, can, can keep all promises, and does keep all promises. Amen? This is the kind of hope that we need to have these days. That's the kind of hope that's full of grace, full of grace when somebody cuts you off, full of grace when you got to go to the Walmart in Hampton. 
The hope that strengthens when things ain't going right. The hope that, that comforts, the hope that makes it, that drives us to live one more day, the hope that gives us rest and check this peace even when your kids are not in your presence. See, money can't do all of that. See, in the book of First Biggie, Biggie said, more money, more problems. You see, we trying to get the money, but when we get the money, we're scared somebody going to take it. Oh, we just don't want to pay taxes. That too. But see, this hope gives peace. Check this out, fellas. I know. I know she pretty. I know she fine. But see, she can't mend your heart when you lose a loved one. Ladies, I know he got it all together. He saved and he got a job and he loved Jesus. But he can't tell you what your true value is. That was found in Jesus. Because your life was bought with the price, the blood of Christ. You see, our 401k plan can't give us real hope. Our possessions, our achievements can't give us real hope. But if we hope in his promises and hope in his character, then we're able to move forward in life. Amen? So let's look at a few things. Look, hope doesn't look like we expected. Okay? God doesn't do the things that we want. When we want him to do it. Now, we can't just box God in or control him. My kids can't even box me in. Or control me. And I venture to say, if you got kids, it's the same thing. Now, they might, try to, they might try to move you into a corner. Dad, remember what you said. But you'll be told they can't control you. They don't know what you're going to do. And have you ever heard this statement? You'll understand when you, come on now. You'll understand when you have kids. And that was the worst statement you heard when you was a child. I want to hear that mess. I want to hear you tell me that you're going to do what I want you to do. Now, can I have these lucky charms? Don't want to eat no more cornflakes. Well, we can't box God in. We can't be boxed ourselves. And the thing is, is when we try to do this, we misinterpret and misunderstand what it is that God is doing. So we either do not recognize his movement or his ways, or in other words, we just ignore it. Let's look at the tale of two kings, Herod and David. With the news of Christ's birth in Matthew chapter 2, we see the three wise men from the east come to see King Herod. They come to him and they said, King Herod, where is the king born of the Jews? Where is he? We have seen his star and we have come to worship him. Now you would think that that is great news because of course that's reference to Jesus. But Herod did not take that news too well. Because after all, Herod is saying, I'm the king. Who is this king that's born? I'm the king. He had a problem with that. So Herod was troubled, and he was threatened by this news. And so since he felt that his power and his position was threatened, he sought to kill Jesus. And so even so much so that he sent a decree to kill all children, all baby boys under the age of two. The same thing that Pharaoh did in the book of Exodus. And so Joseph and Mary fled into Egypt until Herod died. But the interesting thing here is that when questioned by uh, Pilate, Jesus said that his kingdom was not of this world. So technically, Herod was really under no threat in the first place. Hope didn't come as Herod expected or wanted, so he rejected it. 
Had he known what Jesus was really there to do, had he known that Jesus was there to save his soul, that one day he would close his eyes on this side of eternity and wake up to see God face to face, maybe then he would have received him gladly the same way that the wise men were. And we have to be careful not to do what Herod did. Because if we consider God a threat, if we consider his hope a threat, we too will reject him and the hope that God offers. Instead, we'll choose life that's deficient of hope, uncertainty. We'll look to grasp to these things that we normally do around this time, hoping that someone, something, someone will hold us up only to be dissatisfied for yet another year and get to the same year, this same place next year hoping for the same things. But let's look at King David. He had a different approach to this. Psalms 119.33 says, Teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes, and I will keep them. Help me understand your instruction, and I will obey it. And follow it with all my heart. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, learn his statutes and learn his ways. Now, David was a man of God. He hid God's word in his heart, as Psalm 119.11 say, that so, such that he would not sin against God. He loved the Lord, even so much so that God says that David was a man after his own heart. David's posture was always one that, would, that was in, of submission and pursuit of who God was. In fact, David knew, he knew who God was. He did. So even after David had killed Uriah, now real quick, Uriah was a soldier of his. And one day while the army was out to fight, David was on his rooftop. He should have been fighting, but he must have been tired. He went, upstairs, he went upstairs to the roof so he could see. And unfortunately, he saw the wrong thing. He saw Uriah's wife taking a bath. And he said, oh, snap. Sent her a Facebook message, said, come here, girl. You know, you can't send them, when you're going to do your dirt, you don't put the public post out there. You send a personal DM. He sent her a personal message, yes. He sent her that personal DM in the form of his soldiers. And his soldiers went and got her. And, and, and David, unfortunately, had his way with her, and she got pregnant. Now, David knew what that meant. He knew he was in trouble. He had committed adultery. He was in trouble. He knew what was going on. And then so he tried to cover it up. He put Uriah on the front line, and Uriah ends up dying. David thinks that he good. Nobody knows what it is that I did, say David. But what you do in the dark will be revealed in the light. It will come out to the light. So God sends Nathan to talk to David and lets David know that David had, in fact, sinned and that God knew and that he would be judged for that. As a result, David ends up losing his firstborn son. Now, with the, with the advent of that, David is, I want y'all to know that God punished him, but David did not hate God for this. Sometimes we don't like discipline when it comes. We don't like judgment when it comes. But God knew, but, but, but for, excuse me, David knew that God loved him and that God was just. God was just. David's hope was that God would forgive him of his sin and give him a clean spirit, which God did. But Herod, though, saw hope as a threat. David saw hope and found redemption. You see, God is not a threat to me. Tell your neighbor, God is not a threat to me. He is not a threat to you, but he is a threat to the sin that keeps us in bondage. He is a threat to those things that have kept us from him. 
This is the whole reason he sent Jesus in the first place to die for those sins that keep us separated from him. Why? Such that that relationship can be reconciled so we can be with him again. It is the relationship that God honors. So the things that get in the way from us being with him, he is a threat to that, but not a threat to us. We cannot reject God or the hope that he gives because it is not the way that we expect or want. Okay, let's look at this. Hope doesn't always come when we want. Somebody say he's an on-time God. There's an old song that says that he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. It's that he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Hey. All right now. Don't, don't start no more be none. Don't start. Don't start. Don't start no more be none up in here. I know that's right. And we, and we, but he'll be there right on time. We, we need to, we, 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 we sing this song. But see, the truth is that we have a problem with it. We sing it. And when God show up when we want, we like, yeah. Uh. But when he don't show up, when he don't show up on time. See, we got, we got a problem. We have a problem, when, we have a problem when God's timing don't match up with ours. We don't like to sing that song when it don't match up with our timing. Because we like. Let's look, at, let's look at Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus in the book of John, chapter 11. It says, now a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume. This is what Pastor John was talking about earlier, the, 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 what, what Mary did, right? This is her. This is her and her family. Mary was the one who anointed Jesus, the Lord, with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother, Lazarus, that was sick. So the sister sent him a message. Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness is, will not end in death, but is for the glory of God. Somebody say the glory of God. So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus, now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that, that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. I must have read that wrong. Because Lazarus is sick and he's about to die. Okay? He's about to die. And it says Jesus loved them, so he stayed. So he stayed. Okay. We have to recognize here that things ain't always going to go the way we want. But the same way that you do things that your children don't understand, God does things that we're not going to understand. Let's read a little further. Verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had been already in the tomb for four days. Now, this is interesting because when Jesus gets the message, Lazarus ain't dead yet. Lazarus ain't dead yet, but when Jesus shows up, Lazarus had been dead for four whole days. Now, you can imagine what is going through Mary and Martha's mind because they're hoping that Jesus will show up. That's the whole reason they sent him the message in the first place. And here comes Jesus. Four days later, what in the world, Jesus, what you doing? I know you got my smoke signal. I know you got my DM. I know you got that. What are you doing? 
Now, you may be asking, why was it four days? Why is four days significant? It's significant because the Jews had a belief that when a person would die, that the spirit of that person would hover over the tomb of that person, hoping to re-enter into that body for three days. And after that, on the fourth day, they believed that that spirit was fully departing. This is why Jesus came on the fourth day. Because had he come in day one, they might have said, oh, it wasn't Jesus, but his spirit came back in. Had it been day two or day three, they would have said it wasn't Jesus, but it was his spirit that went back in. So Jesus waited until it could be said without doubt. This could not be done except God did it through him. There were some that didn't believe that God was, that Jesus was sent from God. But Jesus said, he who receives me receives the, him that sent me. You ever, have you ever called somebody frantically and not got a call back? You done called them two, three times, it rings, and then all of a sudden you call back the third time and it goes straight to voicemail? You know what hitting the decline button sound like. You know what it sound like. And then they call back later. Hey, you good? Well, you're not going to sit there and ask me where I am. I'm good. No, I ain't good, man. The house was on fire. I needed a tow. I ran out of gas. I had to thumb it. Oh, my God, the world. Where was you at? We get disappointed when people that we need and depend on aren't there for us, especially in crisis. But how many know that with God, this is not so? See, God's promises are yes and amen. And he knows what you have need of even before you ask. We need to understand that there's always a why. There's always a why to the things that have happened in our lives. Jesus showed up four days later. They didn't know why, but God knew. There's a why that you didn't get that job. There's a why that that person didn't text you back. There's a why that first date didn't go right. There's a why he didn't propose. There's a why that you had that child. There is a why to it. And when things go in our lives, the unexpected, this is where our faith gets tested. James 1 tells us that, it's, it's, that we need to count it all joy when we go through various trials and tribulations. Why? Because God is testing our faith. He is strengthening us. More importantly, God is present. God is, we are under God's watchful eye. If the song says he keeps his eye on the sparrow, how much more important to him are you? How much more important are you when he clothes the fields with grass, but he sent his son to die for you? God is not ignoring us. There is a why to what is going on. Our posture must be that when life hurts, when we're sad or depressed, yet will we sing his praises, yet will we honor God because we can trust in his character. Our living hope is that God makes promises. He is powerful enough to keep them, and he will. We can trust in God's character over our circumstance. Let's look at verse 21 through 22. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother wouldn't have died. You ever told the Lord if he would have done something, something wouldn't have happened? Like, like, like the Lord didn't know. But Lord, just in case you didn't know, if you had been there, Yet even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. Now, to be very clear, Jesus was not being negligent. He wasn't being negligent. He just wasn't on their time. 
See, he knows our name and he knows our situations. God is not ignoring us or our prayers. But God moves according to his promises and his plans. Mary and Martha wanted the preservation of Lazarus' life, but Jesus was more concerned with the purpose and plan of Lazarus' life. He had a much bigger point to, to use Lazarus' life to play. So to be clear, Jesus let Lazarus die. And I know that bites. You might be like, hold up, didn't it say that he loved him? Yeah, he let Lazarus die. And truth is, God is going to allow some unpleasant stuff to happen to you too. And you may be asking why. But the truth of the matter is that if God is always watching over us, and God is using our life such that he will get the glory, then, it's under, that we, then we need to trust him in the midst of anything. When the sun is up, when the sun is down, when we're on the mountaintop and we're in the valley, God is using our life to prove to, as living epistles, God uses every situation to prove to you and to those around you that he is who he says he is. God is getting the glory. Out of your life. And this was meant that God would get the glory out of Lazarus' life. See, some things you're not going to understand about God unless you experience it. You're not going to know that God's a healer unless you've been sick in your body. You're not going to know that God is a provider unless you've been in a place of need at a time or two. You're not going to know that God is patient and long-suffering. Except if you done messed up many times and told God you won't going to do it, and then God forgave you and then you did it again. You're not going to know unless you go through some things. So hold on to your faith. Hold on to that living hope. He may not come when you want him, but he's going to be there right on time. Let's look at verse 23. Jesus tells, he said, Jesus says this to Martha. He said, your brother will rise again, he told her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Now, look, Martha didn't understand what Jesus was saying. She thought that he was, re that he was referencing the last day when we would end up being with Jesus forever. But resurrection was not an event. Resurrection was a person. Jesus asked her if she believed, and the question is, he's asking you today, will you believe? How will you respond to the promise of God? Now, real quickly, Mary, Mary, Martha goes back into the house. She goes and tells Mary that Jesus was out there. Jesus comes, Mary comes out there, and she meets Jesus, and, she's, and Jesus sees her, and, and how how hurt she is. He sees how hurt she is and those that are hurting around him. And he is moved with compassion. Then he says, well, take me to where the body is. They take him to where the body is. And we see here, we see the shortest Bible verse in verse 35. It says that Jesus wept. Now, I want y'all to know that Jesus, this was no, like, Jesus didn't drop a tear real quick. <clears throat> Jesus didn't drop a tear real quick and kept it moving. Jesus ugly cried. I'm talking about the, like, when you cry so hard, when you cry so hard that your eyesight get blurry, 
am I the only one that done cried like that? When your eyesight get blurry, you go, ah, they'll be like, you don't say nothing that is English. You don't say nothing that's intelligible. But he, Jesus had that kind of pain. It is important for us to understand that we serve a God that can empathize with us. Jesus will meet us exactly where you are. In the middle of your pain and the worst part of your shame, God will meet you exactly where it is that you are, and he will love you and pick you up from that place to give you a living hope. Let's look at verse 38 and 30 and through 44. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Verse 39. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you? Now, first of all, anybody ever here? <laughs> my dad, my parents used to say, didn't I tell you? But, but they told you that to what? remind you of what they said. Or you probably say it to your kids. Didn't I tell you that you would, if you believed that you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd standing here, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and his face wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. Now, it is important here to recognize that Jesus had already prayed internally. His, the answer to his prayer was already done. And if we look at the whole chapter, we see that at the beginning of the chapter, when Lazarus had, was, was about to die, Jesus had said, I'm going to wake my friend Lazarus up. They thought he was sleeping, but Jesus was like, okay, let me say this uh, a way you can understand. He dead. I'm, I'm, I'm going to resurrect him. They were like, oh, Jesus, that's what, that's what you meant. Okay. But Jesus had prayed out loud, not because he needed God to hear him, but he prayed out loud so that the others around him would be able to hear. Understand this, that sometimes it's not just for you, but for those that are around you. I don't know today if you are Mary and Martha and you need God to show up, or if you are the crowd and you're observing what God is doing in someone else's life, or maybe you are Lazarus and God needs to resurrect something on the inside of you. But I tell you that God will show up and he will give us a living hope. Understand that the faith that God wants to build up in us is that such that we could grow in the things of God, but also that God would be seen and get the glory out of our life. So has your life been a witness of God's grace, his mercy, and his power? Is God able to get the glory out of your life? Jesus didn't come when they wanted but he came right on time. And he moved in such a way that it could not be questioned that it was God that did it. Worship team, make your way on up here. While they're doing that, if we can all stand to our feet. God has no rival. It's important for us to understand that God has no rival. If Jesus had the power 
over even death itself. What is too hard for him? What is it that you are going through today that is too hard for the one who created time and space itself? I work for NASA. We, we study time and space. God created this. If it, what is too hard for him? Who gives God counsel? Who tells God you need some extra help? If Jesus can raise the dead, has life in his hands, what is it that you are going through now that's too big for him? Not one thing. But we have to have this living hope. We have to have a confident expectation that the things that God promised, he has the ability to do, and he will do it. I know it's hard right now. I know things don't look the way that you desire. But see, hope, hope is that confident expectation of an outcome. It's not where you are. The victory isn't where you are. Excuse me, the victory ain't up there. The victory is now. We wait too long. We wait till we get out of something to tell God, thank you. But see, confident hope says, God, I know what the end is. I just don't know the steps in between. But if I trust you, Based off of who you are, God, you will help me take them steps. You'll help me take them steps through the hurt, through the heartache, through the disappointments, until the very thing that I had hoped for becomes the thing that I see. This is the living hope that God gives us. That we don't have to depend on other people. We can depend on on him now unfortunately the Jews missed it many of them, some did but many of them missed it they missed the hidden hope in Christmas they had waited for years for Christ to be born they were under Roman rule and wanted to get out from it so bad here comes Jesus they had seen Jesus perform many miracles. And you would think that that would convince them, right? You would think that the way that Jesus lived his life and the stuff that Jesus did would prove to them that he was sent from God. But this wasn't the case. They still called for his crucifixion. This is why we have to be reminded. This is why we got to walk with God daily. Because we are prone to forget, just like sheep. I mean, think about it. I can't even remember what I ate yesterday. And you want me to remember everything that you promised, God? We got to walk with him daily. They wanted Jesus to be a political hero. To deliver them and avenge them from Roman rule. Instead, what they got was a humble savior who worked a nine to five as a carpenter, who came to conquer sin and rule in their hearts. But many of them rejected him because he wasn't the hope that they wanted. He wasn't the hope that they expected. He wasn't the Messiah that they were looking for. 
But Jesus is our living hope. In the same way that Jesus asked Martha, will you believe? He's asking this to you today. Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or said yes to Jesus for the first, second, or third time today, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next steps in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at lifehouseonline.com or in person for a live worship service at 8.30 a.m. or 10.15 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit LifehouseNN.com for more information or to reserve your live worship service spot today.